Pop Culture Affidavit presents It Came From Syndication Episode 4 Game Shows Make it so. We are best girlfriends. Hello and welcome back to Syndication. This is the fourth episode of It Came From Syndication, a pop culture affidavit miniseries that is brought to you by Two True Freaks. I'm Tom Panneries, and I'm going to be spending my time here offering up a retrospective of what you could find on syndicated television in the 80s and early 1990s. Each episode will focus on a different television genre, and I'll try to give as thorough of a look as possible as to what was on TV back then. Last episode, Amanda joined me for the first of three episodes that she'll be on, and this is the second. We looked at infotainment, that was news, sports, all nonfiction and reality sort of stuff. This time around, we're sticking with nonfiction, but we're going to the daytime TV staple of game shows. And I feel like I have to kind of admit at the top of the episode here that for this episode, I kind of broke my own rule. We expanded our discussion beyond just syndication. So we're going to talk about a lot of syndicated TV shows that were game shows, but we're also going to talk about game shows that aired on network television as well as cable television, because it really is hard to discuss game shows without mentioning some of those offerings. So stick around, because after this break, we'll be back with our discussion of game shows. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality.
This time around, we're taking <laughs> we're taking a look at another genre, um, and this one's a lot more straightforward than the sort of catch-all like infotainment and having divided out. We are going to talk about game shows. Yes. And I'm not dividing this up into different categories. You know, I, I mean, aside from like reality shit, like Survivor and the Amazing Race, but that's kind of past the era we're looking at anyway. Well, that's not really a game show. Yeah, I mean... Not like, the way I think of a game yeah. show. Yeah, but I'm including in this, I'm including like uh, the dating game and love connection mm -hmm. and stuff, because they are, I mean, they are kind of like game shows in that vein. Um, before we, but uh, I do want to say uh, a couple of things and, and, and just give a little background before we before we actually get into the main part of the conversation here. Okay. Um, and that is that, um, so the whole point of this little mini-series is syndication, but I have to kind of cheat a little bit with this episode, because we're gonna talk about the genre of game shows, we're gonna end up talking about shows that were on network, Yep. and we're gonna talk about shows that were on cable. Because right. when you talk about game shows in the 80s and the 90s, there are a handful of ones from cable yeah. that are really, really important to our generation. Um, <laughs> You're giving them much more I don't know. cultural I think, weight. I personally think, yeah, but I personally think that you ask any kid from the 80s and, and early 90s about like Double Dare and oh, yeah, yeah. Control and, um, you know, Pressure Lock and Supermarket Sweep and stuff. I mean, it's still like, yeah. you know. Okay. Now, I just, I, I did a little bit of digging into because I was, I was on the Wikipedia page um, about game shows today. I love that there's just a oh, catch-all Wikipedia page for game shows. Oh yeah, and then there's a sub-page of list of American game shows, and I just looked at it, and it is just, it is literally a list, and I just went through it, and I started jotting down, and I have a very long list in the back Yeah, here. look at that. And just a little history, because like, I was wondering, game shows and syndication and stuff, and um, game shows have been around since television started, you know, game yeah. shows have been around since the 50s, and if anybody remembers... Um, the, there's a 1994 movie quiz show. quiz show directed by Robert Redford and starring Ray Fiennes and John Turturro, which was about a game show that was on in the 50s called I think it was 21, and mm -hmm. the whole show is the whole movie is about how that show was rigged. Yes, but it's in the 60s where game shows start appearing in syndication and really start taking off like as we know them. But it seems like a lot of things with television like really, really get going in the 60s because TVs become more affordable. Affordable. They become more commonplace. I started thinking today about how they become the center of the family room, especially by the 70s. Well, they replaced the, the radio. Yeah, they replaced the radio. And, and uh, it made me think of that. There was a line in an episode of Friends, I think, 
where somebody was saying how they don't own a television. I think it's Joey says, what are you going to point all your furniture at? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the game show started appearing in syndication in this, as early as the 60s. And a lot of times, you know, there were nightly or daily shows. And sometimes the networks would even air like weekly versions of those shows in prime time. And usually those were a little more glammed up or they had more money attached mm -hmm. to them or something. And you actually do see that nowadays, but in reverse because um, two shows from the 2000s that were, or late 90s and 2000s that had this happen were uh, Deal or No Deal and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where right. they, they were primed, no, they were not like nightly primetime shows, but then there was like a syndication version that right. aired um, and was a little more stripped down. Well, and I remember when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire kind of started to blow up, everyone was saying this is the return of the primetime game show mm -hmm. because the, it hadn't really been a thing in primetime no. on a major network for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, not since the 80s probably. I don't yeah. remember a lot of them. It had been a while. Yeah. Or as the young say, it had been a minute. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so we're talking about game shows that were airing during the day. And yes. a lot of times they were like, these are the type of things that were on TV during the day when we were, if you were homesick from school or it was yes. the summer. Um, sometimes they were on in the afternoon right after the cartoon block. Yep. Or airing opposite the cartoon block. So we have a laundry list of game shows to talk about. And I think if we, I think before we get into kind of these, these like ones that we're really going to remember for nostalgia's sake, I think we have to talk about the big three in terms of game shows, one of which is network and two of which are syndication. I think you can add a fourth with kind of an asterisk, but these are three that have been on for really an enormous amount of time. Right. And they're The Price is Right, mm -hmm. Wheel of Fortune, and Jeopardy. And I think you could probably add Family Feud to this Yeah. with an asterisk that Family Feud has been on and off the air. Yeah, they keep rebooting it. Yeah, since the, since it first really came to um, prominence in the 70s. but. Um, the thing about all, if all four of those shows, especially the, for the other three, is that for the most part, they haven't changed a ton yeah. over the years. I mean, the general concept. The is general the same. concept the same. I mean, The Price is Right has a different host than it did when we were kids because Bob Barker retired. Yes. But, you know, they've added pricing games, they've taken pricing games away, but it's still the same show. Um, Jeopardy is pretty much the same show. Mm hmm. Uh, although I remember one year, they were, it was like their 30th anniversary or something, or 20th anniversary on the air, and they showed like one of the earliest episodes with Alex Trebek, and the dollar amounts have changed obviously over time, Right. but one of the things that was struck me about the very, very old episode was that in the very early days of the show, they would let people buzz in before Trebek was done reading the questions. Oh. And I think they caught on pretty quickly that that does not make for a good game show. Not as not as a television yeah, viewing not as experience. A, yeah, not as a television yeah. viewing experience because the, the audience wants to play along at home to a very... I mean, Jeopardy's not always the hardest... Jeopardy, I don't know, Jeopardy's kind of a hard trivia game. It's not... Well, if you're mediocre. Yeah, but it's not... It, it's not... <laughs> it's not who wants to be a millionaire, which had some really easy question. Well the, the, well, the whole point of that was it's easy in the beginning mm -hmm. and then it gets harder because the dollar amounts are higher. Mm -hmm. The Wheel of Fortune um, is 
essentially the same show, although the major difference between Wheel of Fortune in the 80s and Wheel of Fortune now is that... Um, <gasps> because the 80s one was so much fun, you got to shop. Yeah, you got to shop. With your dollars, that was yeah. the best part. Yeah. I'd like the camping equipment for 368. All right, 368 for that. You still have over 12, uh, 1300 dollars. For 300 dollars, I'd like the tires. Yeah, more than a thousand to go. 459. I'd like the telescope. That belongs to you, and you have 573 left. I'd like 370. The color TV. All right, and you have enough for either a food dehydrator or a pig. I it's can't up to come you. home without the pig. Well, you probably could, but I guess you won't. No, I can't. $93 left, and uh, that pig costs one ten, by the way. And uh, here, Because now they just let you keep the money or the car. Or, or the, the trip, trip or, 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 or yeah, yeah. Or they streamlined yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and I noticed that Jeopardy, um, way back in the day, used to give away uh, consolation prizes. And I think now you get to keep the money if you, if you lose on uh -oh. the show. Because I remember until pretty recently, your consolation prize was Jeopardy! the home version. Yeah, they had that too, but there was like, there was a period in the in the 80s and 90s where it was like, second place contestants will receive this, and third place contestants will receive that. Right. Um, and I think the fact that you receive a consolation prize for a game show isn't the thing that, isn't the thing that really exists anymore. Like, I think you walk away with, you either, you either walk away with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, we watch... We've watched our fair share of Jeopardy. Oh, that? Yep. And we've watched our fair share of Wheel of Fortune because it's on, and in this market, it's on before Jeopardy. Yes. And then The Price is Right is always one of those things that, like, when you were home from school, yep. it was like, it was almost like, not like you built your day around it, but like 11 o'clock would hit. And that was when the price was right was on. It was everything like before the price is right and after the price is right. Here it comes, television most exciting hour of fantastic prices. The fabulous 60 minute price is right. Catherine Mullitz, come on down. Johnson, uh, come on down. And Guy McFadden, come on down. You are the first four contestants on The Price is Right. And now, here is the star of The Price is Right. So, well, because that was usually the buffer between the morning and then all the soap operas. Mm -hmm. Like you'd have the local news, at least in my area, yeah. you'd have the local news at noon. It was half an hour, and then twelve thirty, you'd start like loving on ABC, The Bold and the Beautiful, and CBS, like the little half hour um, soaps that would lead into the hour long soaps, and that was the whole afternoon, mm -hmm. and that was that was that. Yeah. So, well, the price is right. Is an hour game show, which is it's still an hour. Yep. Which most game shows are not. Most game shows are half hour segments, yep. which I think are easily more packaged. 
um, Family Feud is is half an hour, and and the the thing about the Price is Right was that you had people coming on and trying to guess the prices of sometimes it's prod like sometimes these pricing games are around like products like mm -hmm. household products like stuff at the grocery store or sometimes it's just right. like what's the price of the car yeah or the trip yeah or the electronics yes yeah <laughs> I always liked it when it was something random where it was like. This fur coat. Well, obviously that was in the eighties, right? Like in the eighties, they would do that. Yeah. Like, guess the price of this sable floor-length coat, and yeah. I'm like, the hell? This is Cal it's in California. Who the hell's gonna wear a fur coat in California? <laughs> and like most of these people are everyday people. How the hell are they gonna know how much a fur coat is? Yeah. You know, just random stuff like that. Oh, or a jet ski. I'm like, yeah. the person playing is like from Iowa. Yeah. And how, what are they gonna use it with? And the show, the show, like prided is, prides itself on its sort of spectacle, for lack of a better word. Like, you know, you are essentially going on stage and guessing what something costs, and seeing if you can get there without going over, yeah. or depending on what the game is, or spinning the big wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, they're very, very simple games, but you have the whole crazy, crazy intro to the show. Yeah, they're screaming. With the come on down and everything, uh -huh. and then the people, and, and there's always the same three segments. The beginning is the, is the beginning of every round of that bidding, yep. the bidding game, and then there's the, the big wheel with the three winners and the showcase showdown at the end, and then of course you have Barb Barker when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And then Drew Carey hosts it now, and he does a he does a good job. He does a good job, but Barker is like one of the kind of household names in game show hosts. And this is another thing that you will we'll probably touch on as we go through um, all of these these shows and stuff that we're on is that there were personalities, yeah, and celebrities made out of the people who were either the hosts of the show. Sometimes you remember who the announcer on the yeah, show the was, Roddy. 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 Um, sometimes there are spokesmodels like, mm -hmm. or, or hostesses such as Vanna White. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes you have like shows like The Match Game mm -hmm. where you have a celebrity panel. Yes. And, or, or Hollywood Squares or something. And there are certain celebrities you really do associate only with game shows now. And they were kind of like the B or C list celebrities. Yeah. B list is generous. C list celebrities who might have actually done something on television one time or another, but like by the time they were on these game shows for us, that's mm -hmm. where we remember them. From. Yeah. These are the three shows we had in common. Um, Wheel of Fortune was one that I always feel like, I feel like I watch the show to feel smarter about. <laughs> it's just that's like, why I watch it now. <laughs> it's just like, it just reminds me, and I've told you this before, It Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune especially just remind me of my grandmother and when I was younger I used to spend a big chunk of my summer at my grandma my grandparents house because you know what well, was it fun and you know my parents worked and so it was an easy way to like you know have your child watched by someone you trust without you know having to pay for it so um we would uh every morning we had to watch the prices right and like I said like the reason why I know the order of everything is because that was every day like when you weren't at the grocery store with my grandmother, because woman loved to go into the grocery store. Safeway. The Safeway. The Safeway. <laughs> um, and the Giant, but more the Safeway. Um, and then she was one of those people who would write a check for all her groceries, mm -hmm. uh, and you had to stand there while she wrote it. Anyway, she's very, very typical grandma. Yeah. 
So when she wasn't at the Safeway, she was in the living room watching Price is Right, local news, all the ABC soaps, and whatever. And then at night, before the Orioles game would come on, you'd watch Wheel of Fortune. Um, and she loved her some Wheel of Fortune, Pat Sajak, all that. So like when I was a kid, we watched it because we watched it. But now, absolutely, like I, I don't fuck with Wheel of Fortune unless it, I happen to see it before Jeopardy, and then it really does make me feel better about myself because everyone on that show is an idiot. So. I mean, it's just like on the on the level of just. I mean, there's a reason they had. Joey Tribbiani doing the It's Count Rushmore yeah. joke because it's just Because like, he truly believed that's what it was. Yeah. And that's the caliber of person on Wheel of Fortune. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, of course, like, the, the interesting thing is, is that uh, this is something I mentioned over in, um, in one of my other podcasts, is that Pat Sajak uh, began his broadcasting career in the military. Mm-hmm. And he is the person who replaced Adrian Cronauer on Armed Forces Vietnam Radio. And Adrian Cronauer was played by Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. And the character of the movie and the actual person, like, totally two different things. But, wow. Wouldn't but, be uh, the first time a yeah. Hollywood adaptation was not accurate. But Sajak himself, um, you know, began his career there and then eventually started making a living doing various hosting gigs and things like that and started on the show and Vanna White who had been on the prices she has there's like an old they would bust this out on one of those before they were star shows uh-huh. here and there um, she was on the prices right back in the very early 80s never actually made it on stage she got as far as the um, the, the bidding game at the very very beginning uh, but there was this sort of and you can kind of see it now too um, she's aged very well. Yeah. There was a sort of Christy Brinkley thing about yeah, her. Very all American yeah. and blonde. And so and and she, they hired her to turn the letters in the in, and then eventually just kind of touch yeah. screen the letters. I do remember though, yeah, when you turn them. Yeah. But, I used to love to see what Vanna was wearing. Like mm-hmm. especially in the eighties. They put her in some concoctions. I used to look I will never forget there was one episode where they had her in like a full on jumpsuit that was white and it had been like it looked like it had been spl- it was very eighties. It looked like it had been splattered with paint. Like with like rainbow paint. <laughs> like red, yellow, about. blue, primary paint. Um I, it is burned into my memory as like a fashion moment in the eighties. It was very Jackson Pollock. But it was also very like Every outfit you saw in like a wacky '80s video where everybody's mm-hmm. pretending to have a good time, it looked like that. And we do mention the you did mention the going shopping thing. Now this is this is something I don't remember when they got rid of this. It was there was a point where yeah. I started turning the show on, and probably in the '90s this thing was gone. So yeah, but they you know as you know, Wheel of Fortunes. You spin the wheel, you you guess letters, you earn money for letters, buy vowel, etc. There's the bankrupt noise that has not gone out of style. But in the very early days of the show, when you solved the puzzle and won, they would have, they would open up the stage, and I swear the thing rotated. It did rotate. Okay, and it was basically They would like, turn it around, and it, it was like a fake living room or a fake bedroom, and you all, every item had a price tag on it, and with your money, you would buy the items. Yeah, and... Was there any, any ever anything like you remember them? Because there was just a lot of furniture. Ceramic Dalmatian. Ceramic Dalmatian. I will never yeah. forget. There was always, at least once a week, a giant fucking dog statue. 
Uh, it was like Greyhound or Dalmatian or a Bulldog every week. There was some sort of ceramic animal yes. statue. Pretty sure there was a fair share of lacquer furniture oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I wanted lacquer furniture when I was a kid. In fact, my dream bedroom set, we went bedroom set shopping, and of course I didn't get it, because which I'm surprised. I'm an only child. I got a lot of things I wanted, but this I did not get. It was white lacquer mm. by Lane. And the headboard had a neon like light in it, oh, so wow. it, like it was like a, a, yeah. a half moon white lacquer headboard, and around the top, like embedded in it, with a pink neon tube. Oh, this is so eighties. That's like well, can't buy me love room. In 80s. fairness, I was nine years old, yeah. but like which was you know nineteen eighty six. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in my eighties defense, yes. So that if that had been on the wheel of fortune, and I had. Played it, I would have bought that. Yeah, but so I, fast. I pictured like tufted leather sofas. Yeah, probably. And and like some sort of urn. Urn dining dining room furniture where the table has a glass top and those rounded formica corner whatever. Sure, and from, or some sort of Asian. Yeah, fan. yeah. Some sort of like very black lacquer with like an Asian bird. Yeah. Wardrobe, <laughs> something like that. You know, in Jeopardy, like I said, they would just give consolation prizes away for a while now, it's just all cash. But Jeopardy, the thing about Jeopardy is that it's for some people it's above their level, for a lot of people it's like you're kind of on the level with the game. So it's kind of fun to watch because you do get into being able to answer the questions. And then of course you have Alex Trebek, who... He's a salty bitch. Oh yeah, he, he's such... A, the older he gets, the like sassier he yeah. gets. He's so condescending to the women who play the show, who play on the show too. It's just sort of a. <laughs> when you feel like saying it's easy to be smug when you have all the answers, what the hell is your problem? And of course, he had the mustache for years. I really miss the mustache still. Yeah. So. And then, um, and Saturday Night Live would have him be the straight man to would yes. have Will Ferrell play him as the straight <laughs> man to just like this rotating cast of just miscreant celebrities on their celebrity Jeopardy sketches, especially Norm MacDonald. Yes, well, and um, Sean, uh, Sean Connery, Connery uh, whoever does, who that? Daryl Hyman. Daryl Hyman, that's what it was. <laughs> it was, we meet again, Trebek. Yeah, exactly. Turd Ferguson. Yes. <laughs> Giant hat. He's Burt Reynolds. Yes. Or McDonald's, Burt Reynolds, and, um, <laughs> and of course, like they kind of brought it back in a way that the Black Jeopardy sketches on on uh, SNL have been absolutely brilliant. Um, with the prices already concerned, what's your favorite pricing game aside from the showcase and the and the, and the spinning the wheel? Right. Well, you know, I I love me some of the um, the yodeler one I love the yodeler. where you go up the mountain <laughs> and you don't know if he's gonna go and fall off or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like mostly, I just love it for the obnoxious music that also has not changed. Yes. So I love that one, and um, I liked the one where you rolled the dice. Yeah. And you'd stick the dice in the slot yeah, to price out the car. Price out the car. Yeah. So because well because it was strategy and chance. There's another one where what you end up with is like higher or lower, mm -hmm. and you end up with a number and you have to choose whether or not <gasps> that number in the car is higher or lower. And the other one I also loved was, um, God, I guess I loved them all, but I, there was one where you like punch stuff, like you punch yes, stuff. Well, and of course, how can you forget Plinko? Plinko is the Plinko's like the goat, but yeah. like other than Plinko and other than the show. Yeah, you punch stuff and you pull out like. You pull out either money yeah. or like. 
something else, but I just remember there was a giant board and you had to figure out like what hole you were going to play. Yes. There's a golf one too. Yes, hole in one. Mm-hmm. That was always good because then if you, if you, the more prices you guessed correctly, the closer you got to the hole. Yeah. And if you got the hole in one, you won either everything there and something else or, or whatever. Yeah. And the showcases, like, the, the, there were very few times where people competed head to head in the game because even the spin the big wheel, you're not really competing with anybody. Yeah. Well, and again, there. it's all circumstance. It, yeah, it's a carnival game basically. Yeah, yeah. But with the with the showcase showdown, you are trying to outbid the other person, and well, no, you're trying to underbid it. You're trying to underbid so the other person, so you don't go over. And you are trying to come as close as you can, and very often you have to strategically decide whether or not if you're the first person to go. And, and I think usually, it's I don't think it's a general rule, but it's almost like it always seems to work out that the second showcase is always the better showcase. Yes. And it's always like trips. They're always like centered around a theme. But my favorite, though, always is when you can tell someone's all like, "I'm going for the second showcase." Like, screw this first showcase. And there's always every once in a while where, in my opinion, the second showcase is not the best. Like the first showcase is like a car and a trip, or like really awesome electronics, or what the hell ever. And the person's all smug and is like, "I'm gonna pass." And then their showcase is like a pool table and an RV, all the shit you don't want or need. It costs more, but you don't want it. And the look on the person's face when they're just like looking like a pinched asshole because they passed up the good showcase, that I, it does bring a, a tiny bit of satisfaction every time. What am I going to do with a gun rack? Yeah, yeah. I have 40 subscriptions a vibe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like. Yeah, I always loved watching the opener rounds where you'd have the one person who bid a dollar, and then you had the one person who for some reason just had something against the person next to them and would bid exactly one dollar higher. Or a higher or lower. Higher, yeah, they would always bid one dollar higher because then that person would have to get an exact price on the item. It's just like, what did that person do to you? I don't think it's, I think in that kind of environment, I don't think it's a personal thing against the person next to you. I think it's just that narcissistic thing of fuck everybody, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to pull a dick move. Yeah, because you probably pulled a dick move. Do you remember that article a couple of years ago that came out where the guy was like, this is how I got on the prices, right? No. And it was basically like, he, he developed a whole strategy. He had talked to people who had been on before to see like what the producers looked for. Mm. Like he was just, it was all these things he did to get called up on stage. Hmm. Like to get called That's up, get, cool. come down to the row and, and, and bid and all that yeah. shit to be a contestant. Like there's like a calculus to it. Just like the guy that everybody hated on Jeopardy who kind of like... Oh, Arthur Chu. Yeah, Arthur Chu. And then, like, you know, I don't know if there's, if there's any way you can, you really have to game Will of Fortune because everybody's a goddamn idiot. You just have to be slightly smarter than they are. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, with Jeopardy and Price, and everyone got so, like, offended about Arthur Chu because, and it's like, anybody else could have done it that way. Ar- the thing Why about, are you mad? Yeah, the thing about Arthur Chu that... I, I mean, he's full of himself, but... He's full of himself, but after a while, I think, I think what was what bothered people was that he was not as personable as Ken Jennings was. Right. He wasn't like a sweet dork. Ken, yeah, Ken Jennings had that crazy run and they got taken down by, uh, by Nancy Zerg. I still remember the name because the name Zerg sounds like, um, an intergalactic villain or something. Yeah. And, um, so she took him down and I remember, I re- why I remember this shit is, I don't know, but I remember he lost in the final Jeopardy clue because it was about a company who, 
like where it's mostly employed, I think, like in March or April. And the answer was H&R Block, and he got the question wrong and, you know, bid too much or whatever. But Arthur Chu's strategy was to was to go for, go like right at the high dollar values, yeah. which is a perfect strategy. You're wondering like why nobody ever really played that aggressively, and because people seem like there was this weird gentleman's agreement among all of these Jeopardy contestants of kind of easing into the game by starting at the lower values and going up. Whereas like if you really think about it, if you're really especially if you're really confident in certain categories. You go right for the thousand or two thousand. Yeah, and that's why I never. I mean, I I understand if you didn't think he was a good person or if you didn't like him or whatever. But everybody getting all up in arms about a strategy. I'm like, y'all just mad because you didn't do it. Can actually, this is where I can actually a baseball comparison actually works. Where like a contestant like him is like a pitcher who gets into a really good rhythm, and you have to throw the guy. You have to figure out a way to throw him off because he's going to try to take control of the game right away. And well, that's like, the whole point of being a pitcher. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, and that was how he was playing yeah. Jeopardy. He was just like, I'm going to walk into this game. I'm going to take control of the board, and you have to throw me out of my rhythm. And it was like, and Trebek just kind of sits back and let it lets it go. But at the same time, like when he when somebody gets it wrong, he's just so. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. The answer is, yeah, <laughs> he gets all like shady Canadian. <laughs> but then you got like Family Feud. Wait, before we get okay, to Family Feud, sure. I just want to brag that I am friends with a what's it, three time Jeopardy champion. Yes, my friend Jesse went on Jeopardy and I think won like two or three days in a row. So, yeah. shout out to her. Yeah, shout out to Jesse. We have both taken the online test at one point or another, got our asses kicked. I took it once and was done. Yeah. I hate, I can't do time, listen, this is when I come clean, I have slow processing speed, I've had it my whole life, and I can't take time shit. Like, when stuff is timed, I'm like, oh god, like, I can't do it. And so, I took it once and I was like, I'm out. Yeah, I would do well, and then I'd get like one question wrong, and then it would snowball. Mm. And I'd get like five in a row, and then I'd get like the opera category, and I'm just like... Oh, I do alright on opera. Okay. Yeah. Family, Family Feud, Feud, sorry. Family Feud has had four hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Dawson, who was probably the most famous because he was the first one. Such a perv. And oh god, like how many, how many women were kissed by Richard Dawson on national television, even though they didn't want to be. share the thing that will always stick in my mind about Richard Dawson, but go ahead. Okay. And then you have Ray Combs, who sadly co- committed suicide back in the 90s. It was a... Died by suicide. Yeah. That's what we say now. Um, I'm not being I'm not being flipped. Right. That's truly how we say it. Um, but he had very bad mental health issues that didn't come to light until after his suicide. Um, uh, he hosted the afternoon pro- uh, syndicated version and they came on the air, I think, only after only a couple of years after the Richard Dawson version went off the air. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty much a carbon copy of the original show. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, somewhere in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson, yeah. And now, um, 
<laughs> Steve Harvey's the host now. I don't know if is it still on. It is. It's still. I know. It's it still comes on, on like in the morning. Oh, okay. Although I will tell you, then if I'm given the choice between um, Family Feud and the Third Hour Today with the Drunk Hoda and Kathy Lee, I'm gonna watch Drunk Hoda yeah. and Kathy Lee. But yeah, it comes on because um, everyone's well and. I remember it reminds me the most of when I was packing for us to move mm-hmm. because I would take I either work from home or I'd take a couple of days off to like you know pack up the house and that would be on and I'd just watch Steve Harvey like make fun of people while I was packing our living room. That is one of the best parts about the Steve Harvey family feud is that he has this look of disbelief at just the ridiculousness of his um it's the one thing because i can't stand steve harvey in any other capacity because he's got some fucked up views about women and men and relationships but um family feud is like the one place where i'm like yep i can tolerate steve harvey yeah you remember richard dawson richard dawson so this was when so a lot of the stuff that we love came about when we got access to Game Show Network. Mm-hmm. This is the early 2000s. Yeah, right? so we started watching a bunch of, like, we watched a lot of Match Game, we watched a lot of Old Family Feud, there was that random one about the man who knows you better, your secretary, your wife, which I was I think that was called Three's a Crowd? Yes, yes, yeah. and it was awkward, it was cringeville. But anyway, so there was one episode, and I'm sure it was a series of episodes, but this was an episode I was watching, they had some partnership with Tootsie Pop where like there was like a tree of Tootsie Pops at the end of each family bar, I guess, counter where uh-huh, they stand. Yeah. And there was um, a family where it was a white man and his wife who was African-American um, and, you know, like the dude's sister and his mother mm-hmm. or whatever. So like, and you know, you have to remember this is like the- This s- is pretty progressive for the 70s. This is 70s. Yeah. And Richard Dawson could not get over the fact that this man had married a black woman and she was beautiful and um he was like hitting on her and da 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 well the husband got some kind of question right where you could pull a tootsie pop out of the thing to get like a bonus point or whatever and richard dawson just straight up goes so i guess you're gonna go for the chocolate one right <laughs> and i'm sitting on the couch like what the fuck did i just watch <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And like and the audience is all like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, all of you people are assholes. <laughs> just like, then, you're gonna hit on it, you're gonna you're gonna be snarky about him marrying a, a, a black woman, and then you're gonna hit on her, and then you're gonna say some shitty thing while he goes to get a goddamn Tootsie Pop out of this promotional thing. I was like, I cannot, I cannot believe what I have just heard. <laughs> And then he's like, he kisses everybody on oh, the mouth. God. And you know that has to taste like five-day-old scotch. And, and you don't know if he's in between herpes outbreaks. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> no way in hell. I always used to love to watch the end sequence, the last, you know, the, the bonus round at the end because of the fact that they had, like, you know, the same questions for two people. Yeah. And every once in a while, somebody would just have a complete brain fart and yes. blurt out the dumbest possible answer to the question. Yeah, there's there are many there there is many a montage of that on YouTube. Yeah. If you just want to entertain yourself for five minutes. Yeah, and, and Family Feud is one of those shows where there was a catchphrase. You know, the survey says was yeah. like the total catchphrase. Well, the they show. all kind of had their yeah. own. Uh, catchphrase do you have survey says you have um come on down for the prices, come on right? down um you've got um what am i trying to think about um with jeopardy this is this is jeopardy this the daily is double. jeopardy daily double and the theme song the theme song 
Jeopardy! Let's meet today's contestants. A museum publicist from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Elizabeth Flynn. An oil filtration business developer from Orlando, Florida, Enrique Machado. And our returning champion, a video game tester and camp counselor from Los Angeles, California, Stephen Goodrow, whose five-day cash winnings total $84,870. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. Johnny Gilbert. And most of these shows have theme songs that, like, really, like, all three of these, um, Jeopardy, mm -hmm. The Price is Right, The Price is Right has some of the best You Screwed Up, You Suck music Sad ever. Sad trombone. Wheel of Fortune. Well, you've got Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and then um, The Family Feud had that great theme song. And, and some of these shows have, like, I mean... We're gonna get now. We're gonna get into some of the other ones, but like if you think of the theme shop theme songs too, the match game, mm -hmm. press your luck. Well, I don't remember the pressure. Uh, no, the the pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid's got my favorite theme song ever. The pyramid. They have a good one. The hundred thousand dollar pyramid, twenty five thousand dollar pyramid, depending on what era of the yeah. show you're watching, because eventually they up the dollar amount. Is one of my favorite theme shows of all time. So like Wayne Brady hosts it now, but that went that had a big gap between yes. the old and the new. But that was you know everybody's in their costumes yeah. and like stuff like that. Monty so Hall was the Monty Hall, host. and you know that was another one where it, it's an hour, mm -hmm. and so I always felt like Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal were very similar. And Let's Make a Deal, of course, has that iconic do you choose between door number one, door number two, or what's in the box, and that sort yeah. of. Yeah. And again, these are things that made their way into the pop culture, the cultural lexicon for. Yeah. For many, many years, and even people who don't know the game show know the phrase. Yeah, like no whammies. Yeah. Like, not everybody has seen Pressure Life, but everybody mm -hmm. knows what no whammies means for some reason. Yeah. Thousand in cash up there waiting for you to take it away. One prize worth more than $5,000. However, the bad news is there's some whammies. Both Tammy and Whammy are up there looking to take away your money. Big bucks, no whammies, stop! Stop it, oh, And uh, Pressure Luck is a show that we could we could talk about Pressure Luck for a little bit. Um, Pressure Luck is a show that was hosted by Peter Tamarkin, who was 
kind of generic 80s game show host guy, I believe he was Canadian, um, and I think it didn't it air on USA? Yes. Yeah, and I, didn't, I saw a few episodes here and there at friends' houses back in the day, um, and I always loved the whammies, mm-hmm. which um, something I brought up in a very, very earlier episode of the show years ago, uh, because I covered the Savage Steve Holland films. Mm-hmm. He animated them, and he would go on to direct Better Off Dead. He animated the pressure luck whammies? Yeah, he created oh, and animated funny. the pressure luck whammies, and then he would go on to, mm-hmm. this was um, right, This was the first thing he did before, um, it was kind of his break into show business. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then he, of course, he would do Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer, and then he would have the cartoon um, Eek the Cat yes. on uh, on Fox for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so Pressure Luck is, um, was there a bonus round of Pressure Luck? I'm trying to, like... To be honest, if I close my eyes and try to, like, remember what that game was, I just remember the board, the people hitting the button, and then whether it was a whammy or not a whammy. I don't remember the sequence. Mm-hmm. Or what the point was. <laughs> yeah, there were trivia. I know there were trivia questions. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I think there were trivia questions, and, it, and, and the number of trivia questions you got right, I think, depending, gave you control of the board and the number of times you could go or something. Okay, to that sure. We should probably should have done our research. Before yeah, we or this, this is um, or riffing. And the whammies were the bankrupting, and the whammies, of course, would be animated across the front of the yeah. screen and doing like moonwalking mm-hmm. and all sorts of like. Yep. Silly, silly things. That show is famous for um, for that, for the fact that it was one of the, I would say it was probably one of the first game shows that aired on cable on a regular basis that people really, really remember. Yeah. And there was a episode which I don't think I've ever seen where we talked about, you talked about that guy um, who yeah. got on the prices right There was a guy who figured out how to game Pressure Luck. He knew how to game the, the sequence. He watched, yeah, he watched the show enough times to realize that there was a pattern in the way the, mm-hmm. the lights went. And he sat there and basically was like counting cards. Yeah. And he went on the show and he won a ridiculous amount of money. And... There was some back and forth after the game was over of whether or not they were going to give him the money. I think they eventually decided that they would because he didn't technically cheat. Well, there's no... The thing is, if you're that fuck, excuse me, stupid that you don't learn how to randomize yeah. how the board works, that's your own damn fault. There yeah. was nothing in the... There was nothing in anything they probably signed that said you couldn't... Yeah, it's not like the, the twenty. Pattern. It wasn't like the twenty-one scandal where somebody was feeding the guy the answers. Yeah, right. You know, and and so this was and, and yeah, he he figured out that the randomization was so low, and eventually they fixed the board so that like it would randomize so much that you would yeah. really have to you know you really yeah. couldn't figure it out. Well, it's not like I, listen, it was the eighties. The fact that the board lit up at all was probably <laughs> like an innovation. The fact that the the lights went around in a circle was probably an innovation. I mean, we had like, you know, we had calculator watches. The tech wasn't very sophisticated. Uh, the sets on some of these shows, by the way. Now, the Jeopardy set and the Wheel of Fortune, the Jeopardy set is, it looks like it's pretty small. It's just this wall of screens and, and three things. And the Wheel of Fortune's got the big wheel and, and, the, and the screen and the, they go around They go around to different cities sometimes and it looks like it's on the same sort of theater sound stage. But like, the Pressure Luck stage looked like it could have been like the smallest room looked- in the world. Claustrophobic. Yeah. It was dark, and yet you have the hundred thousand dollar pyramid 
which looks like it was filmed like an airplane hangar. There's like... I feel like it kind of looks like an old set of like the Dick Cavett show. Yeah. You've got to go from, there's tables, and then you go over to the other thing, and there's a board, and yeah. Yeah, and, and that had the, that was a come that was like, um, there was a password aspect to it, and Password was another show mm-hmm. that was on for years, and Super Password. Another thing that SNL also did well when yeah. Kristen Wiig would play that weird yeah. actress. <laughs> <laughs> but like on this, there were always two rounds because it was like you know you had um, you had a celebrity, uh, and I'm using celebrity because it, but it was an actor, it was somebody who yeah, was on somebody TV, somebody on TV or whatever, and um, sometimes it was somebody who would eventually become um, kind of a household name like Billy Crystal or mm-hmm. I think Kirstie Alley was on the show a few times, and they well, had, Rosie O'Donnell was a contestant on Little yeah, Fortune, and. Um, then you had uh, you know a, a, a regular contestant, and they would they would go back and forth with with the give and take, um, and then they would go into the pyramid. The pyramid is the best part because you're yeah. building up, you're building up, and you're building up, and you're building up, and you have categories like something that whatever would say or whatever, and you have to do it in a certain amount of time. And this is why I love playing catchphrase with you yes. because I think if the two of us were sitting in that pyramid. We'd like set a record because it's like, you know, it's that rapid fire, crazy rapid fire delivery. Whereas Password, which is kind of a fun game, is kind of slow because like, the password is cake. And it would be like chocolate reasons, you know, like, yeah. and then. Can you only use one word, hints on Password? Yes. Oh, okay. It was always one word, but it was always done so slowly, whereas yeah, in, um. I don't have the patience for Password. In, uh, Pyramid, you were always yeah. up against the clock. So it was like, um, and especially with this, like, people would just rattle off clues over and over. Yeah. And then there was that one that stumped everybody. And my favorite part of what anybody couldn't make to the top of the period when Dick Clark would walk over with the clue, like the clue that he should have given, like in five seconds that person would be like, oh. Yeah. And Dick Clark just, just the nicest guy in the world, but in the back of his mind, fucking idiot. My favorite, <laughs> the thing that cracked me up with the pyramid part was there was always a cadence. So to the person giving the clues, they, like if like the, if the thing behind the person was a toothbrush, it would be like, you use me to clean your teeth. <laughs> I am covered in paste. I, you might use mouth rinse after me. <laughs> and it was always like, like, and everybody did it. Everybody who was a contestant on that show did it that way. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, and the set the set was huge, and they, they still play it every once in a while on mm-hmm. on Game Show Network. But yeah, but and and like you said, they brought it back with Michael Strahan, and they brought the match game back with Alec Baldwin. And to ABC's credit, in bringing those two shows back, they just they didn't do anything different. They just brought the show back. Well, and they pe- they were smart. They they did it during the summer. Yeah, and it was like a summer fun kind of yeah. thing. It was a limited engagement. Yeah. I don't know if Alec Baldwin needs to be getting any more work. They probably could put someone else for that. Yeah, but I can understand that you're like, who would a modern day Gene Rayburn be? Yeah, maybe Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it is. But they they basically t- they obviously just watched a few episodes of the old shows and said, we don't need to change anything. Yeah. We just do do this the way it was because that's what people well, remember. And to the show's credit, the new ones, their celebrities are better. Yeah. Like, the celebrities on Match Game are way better than back in the day. Now, now speaking of celebrities on a game show, the one that I think is kind of a running joke anyway, 
would be Hollywood Squares. Yes. Because Hollywood Squares is like the last stop of the tour of your career for a lot of these, you know, yeah. Paul Lind and some of these people. Now. That's who I was thinking. I was like, who's the other snarky guy who's not Charles Nelson Riley? <laughs> yeah, Paul we'll get to match game Paul in a minute. Yeah. But um, I never watched the original Hollywood Squares. The version of Hollywood Squares that I remember was the mid '80s revival with John Davidson as the host, and John Davidson, yeah, um, with Mister like the perfectly coiffed hair, yes, um, and Shadow Stevens, yep, whose daughter was on Greek, yes, Amber Stevens, and um, she's on something else now, but I don't remember what it is. Center Square for a long time was Joe Rivers. Mm-hmm. This is where I knew Joe Rivers from for years oh, okay and a repeated guest and then eventually the person who I'd be like in the I think the upper left or whatever was um, Jim J. Bullock mm-hmm. from Too Close for Comfort who was kind of the Charles Nelson Riley of that show yeah and I used to watch that show like when I was like in fourth grade we watched that show like every night and Alf was always on it yes um, I remember Debbie Gibson was on it at one point um, they were bringing on people who were like on sitcoms all the time, so they were bringing on like I don't know, Kirk Cameron was on it, but like Tracy Gold was on it at one point, or um, the guy who played American, the American Ninja was on it at one point. Like, so I remember like seeing a lot of these people, and then they would be on like other things. And the bonus round was that there were five cars on stage, and if you won you got to try the car and there was nothing except that you picked a key, mm-hmm. you tried to turn the lock or you sat in the car and you tried to start the car and if the car didn't start, you didn't win the car. Yeah. But if you stayed in the game for the entire week, you um, you eliminated all the cars so by Friday, if you won the game, you obviously won the car. And sometimes it was like, I remember when they would have Toyotas and at the bottom of the period was like, the Corolla, yeah. but at the top of the pyramid was like the Supra. Yeah. So it was like you kind of upgraded. Supra. The they don't even Supra. make the Supra anymore, do they? they? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but that was that was a show where um, I think the general concept was like they asked the the celebrity a question and you had to disagree or agree with the yes. answer. And John Davidson had this sort of like very affable, mm-hmm. kind of likable game show host thing. But he's not. He's not in that sort of. Top He's not top echelon, no, because the, you know it wasn't his job to be, because yeah. it was all about the people in the squares. Yeah, it's true. Like he just needed to be like, he really was like the straight man. Yeah. Which what that's what Gene Rayburn was on the alcohol fest, but the I booze filled fest that was the seventies match game. Get ready to match the stars from Match, Gary Burgoyne, Brett Summers, Brett Summers, Charles Nelson Riley, Hope Lang, I hope, Richard Dawson, and Richard Dawson sitting in for Patty Deutsch as we play the star-studded Big Money Match Game 78. And now here's the star of Match Game 78. Gene Rayburn? Yes, but I also think like um, Gene Rayburn was a little more rakish. Like he he would egg them on. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't as much of a straight man. The man the man had 
the man had great taste in plaid polyester suits. And guy smiley hair. Guy smiley hair. He had the mic. Yes. That, 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 and um, yeah. obvious dentures. Yeah. And he had one of the best celebrity, consistently good celebrity panels. Now, da Dawson would be on it. Barb Barker would be on it every once in a while. Um, you would get people who were 70s sitcom stars like uh, Jamie Farr. Um, how was the actor's name? Gary. He played Radar on MASH. I know who you're talking um, about, but I don't remember Jamie Lee Curtis showed mm -hmm. up a couple of times, but then you had your mainstays, Brett Butler. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett Summers. Brett Summers. Butler, Brett Summers. Charles Nelson Reilly. Yes. And Fanny, Fanny Flagg, who, Fanny Flagg, who wrote uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Yes. And, which I didn't realize for, for a number of years. But yeah. Brett Summers um, was like your drunk great aunt. Yes. Your drunk grandma. Yep. Just kind of the saucy. Yeah. And they always used to, for a long time, they would sit her and Charles together. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they had to put, like separate them like kids in class. They could have been the fifth and sixth Golden Girls easily. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley. Charles with his neckerchief. Charles Nelson Riley, like, game show icon. Yes. Because he Pretty much. The glasses, the neckerchief. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the flamboyant, like, gay. Yeah. In a way, before, like, that was just yeah. sort of flamboyant before anybody knew really what gay in the yeah. mainstream was. But Paul Lynn, too. Yeah. Very bitchy, yeah. bitchy gay. Yeah. Which was great. I love it. I love I love that. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I think neither of them were with us anymore. Charles Nelson Riley died a number of years ago. If Charles Nelson Riley is still alive, I will eat this glass. No, I, think, I don't think he's I can't alive. imagine. I think, I think he died a number. I think he died a couple he did because there was like a retro. I was still getting Entertainment Weekly, and somebody wrote like a retrospecticus about yeah. it. Yeah, it's just this this show that they and I remember reading a few things about like the insiders, kind of inside the show, and they would talk about how by Friday they really were drunk. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. There was just basically booze like all over the green room, and rewatching those reruns on yeah on the um, Game Show Network was just. Back in the, well, and the, you just you would look at the contestants and you'd be like, "You poor bastards! <laughs> you don't even know what you're in for." Yeah. Now another another game show. Two other game show hosts that really are pretty well known are Bob Eubanks, mm -hmm. who hosted the Newlywed Game. Yes. For eons, and then he hosted like Card Sharks. And yeah, he hosted a couple others. Other games, yeah. Um, he also has a savage Steve Holland connection because there's a running bit in How I Got to College where the main character's best friend says, I have no plans in life. I am going to spend my life traveling the country with renegade game show hostesses who are driving around with unclean prizes. And that's literally the joke. <laughs> and Corey Parker plays the, the main character's like, you're an idiot. And at the very, very end of the movie... Bob Eubanks rolls up with like two like Barker's Beauties types and the guy gets in the car and they ride off into the sunset. It's, <laughs> How I Got Into College is a, is a, it's an underrated movie. It's got this um, running, also another running gag with Phil Hartman and Nora Dunn playing the SAT prep school Aww. people running an obvious scam. Yeah. And this guy imagining guy A and B in one of those math questions and guy A is played by Tom Kenny. Whoa! Uh, yeah, it's 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 from '89 or so, and it's it's a really. Um, Ice King was in How I Got Into College. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, uh, Booker makes a very very. Well, but he's like, he's like the Steve Buscemi to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's his name Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> what do you what do you, uh, he pulls 
he pulls the guy and he says, he's the representative from the Bible college. Oh, and he's doing this televangelist, but he's like, Jesus loves you. And he goes, Jesus wouldn't love me if he saw my SAT scores. He goes, they're low. Yeah, and they like stop the music. He walks in and goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, so Bob Eubanks and the Newlywed Game, we used to watch that. These are ones that, they used to rerun old episodes of the Newlywed Game for like Well, and you years. want to talk about a catchphrase. Well, and this is going to hook into something that I say all the time, sadly, but like, is whoopee. Like, <laughs> what, like, like, what? Fuck. like fucking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a Newlywed Game that was like, when well, you're making whoopee. And what cracked me up is like, this was on like, in the, like, the in the middle of the day and you're like you know kids are just like what the fuck is whoopee like I, I swear to god like we were just the generation our parents did not give two shits what we watched well maybe yours did but mine didn't yeah. oh no I would see <laughs> as it long on, as I was quiet no I would see it on my grandmother's house um, before she turned on like guiding light or whatever she whatever oh, her stories she was were a CBS woman yeah and and um, yeah we would watch that we would watch Whatever was whatever happened to Beyond, but the Newlywed Game that Three's a Crowd show kind of was a was like really weird version yeah. of that. Where it, it was, was so much of its time though, because it's like, you know, I mean, it pissed me off as a feminist for several reasons, but I was just like, why is it a man with a se- like? Uh, just the fact that it was your secretary. But remember that episode we watched where you could tell that the secretary was not happy that her boss had gotten married. <laughs> and she was just like she it wasn't even shade I mean it was just straight up hostility like she just was like the answers were like oh, it was something like if you could throw one thing away in your boss's office what would it be and she said <laughs> his, his wedding ring his wedding ring I was, with his wife sitting right there I was like damn I wonder how that ended so yeah that show was nuts and then you have um Wink Martindale, who I, the only Wink Martindale show I ever remember watching was that, it was on Lifetime in the mid-90s, it was called Debt, and it was where people, it was a trivia game, but you weren't winning money, you were winning money, you were basically paying down your debts, debts, like student loan debt, credit card debt, or whatever, which I thought was an ingenious... Damn, we should bring that back now. Yeah, it it was an ingenious idea for a game show. Which was basically kind of a generic game show. He also, there was, um, you know, in that whole slate of, like, USA game shows in the afternoon. Uh-huh. Like, it was the counter-programming to soap operas. Yeah. It was, you, they also ran a bunch of vintage game shows, and one of them was a Wink Martindale show. It was, I think it was called, like, High Rollers or something. Okay. And it was basically, like, the dice game in The Price is Right, Price is right where basically you're rolling the dice down a long table and you're trying to win shit and you're try- but it's almost like Yahtzee too. Uh, okay. Like it was trying to like if I I mean I barely remember it and talk about an austere set. I mean it was like just like a blue background and these people rolling this dice. But like yeah that he those are the two shows mm-hmm. I remember. But like that that was they they showed that they showed obviously pressure like they showed um another show that Fanny Flag was on which was a lot like match game called The Liars Club. And I, you that sounds familiar. You had to basically you had to tell who was telling a lie, like they'd all say it's something. Kind of like to tell the truth. Yes, but it was called Liars Club. Uh-huh. And um, and this was on when this was on when I was like little, like I was like eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you know, because my grandmother loved her game show, yeah. I saw them all. Yeah. But yeah, so like USA had all these because Fanny Flag used to all, and I think she wore the shirt on Match Game too. But she always used to wear this shirt that was two fried eggs yes. where your boobs were. <laughs> and I remember being like a little kid, like, what the hell is that? 
um, you know, the, the innocence of youth, but like, yeah, so. Match game, the, the, the fun thing about match game, because it was the 70s and because you could only get so much past the sensors, slip so much past the radar yep. back then, they could work at like they could work entendre. a double entendre. It's like a quadruple entendre. Yeah, it was just like they really, really knew how to do that. They did that on a lot, even on the newlywed game, um, which has the very famous episode segment that is either true or an urban legend, depending on like how you interpret it. The in the butt Bob thing. <laughs> Girls, tell me where specifically is the weirdest place that you personally, girls, have ever gotten the urge to make whoopee? Um. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. It's the weird. No, no, what I'm talking about is the weirdest location, the weirdest place. Yeah. I don't know. Give me an the newlywed game was kind of the offshoot of the next level up from what was a number of dating game type of shows that, that we would see. Now, the dating game was, I think the dating game ran in the 60s and 70s, which I never really watched, but we've seen so many old clips of so many famous people before they were famous, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was yeah, on yeah. the show, um, and Burt Reynolds, I think. Um, well, and then of course you have the '90s version studs, oh, star featuring one young John Hamm. Yes. Yes. I I did a blog post about studs back in the early '90s, and Mark DiCarlo was the host. Mark DiCarlo was always so he he had a bit part on a Seinfeld episode too, but he was always kind of like he not skeezy, but the kind of like you know. I don't know. There's something like he was Mark Wahlberg <laughs> before Mark Wahlberg landed Antiques Roadshow. Mark Wahlberg paid his dues. <laughs> but I'm saying there was always something slightly like Mark. Why are you on Paradise Hotel yeah. and uh, Temptation Island? Yeah. And then he shows up on Antiques Roadshow, and I'm like, oh, good for him. Yeah, we we will track the career of Mark Wahlberg when we do our Pop Culture David episode about. Fox reality <gasps> shows in the two thousands. That is eventually, and I actually remember most of it because yeah, I'm not. I'm so old. Yeah, but but Mark DeCarlo was kind of like that, and and then you had these. It is the most early nineties game show. It's dating show ever, and it was it was kind of a. Um, it was like we're gonna we're gonna kind of ramp up the attitude from Love Connection, and Love Connection was well, and it aired late. So they it could did. get like quote unquote saucy because it was Fox, yeah, and it was like and quote unquote Fox attitude, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God, for serious. And so like you know, and it's just funny now because you look at, I mean, like with anything, you're like, oh, isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. When you thought it was edgy, I yeah, mean, compared to the shit we see now, like I just am like, that it's cute that you thought that was that was saucy because well, all of the it was like um, this is what she said about your date, and it was always something like double entendre phrased or like really saucy phrasing or something. The type of thing that you'd eventually see on, I mean, MTV would run game shows in the 90s, like singled out and then they would do... Um, there was that one where they'd get on a bus? Yeah. But there was the one where they would have, was it Dismissed, I think it was Dismissed called? Dismissed with the bus. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then there, there were some others where they kind of took that concept of like, you know, we're going to ramp up the fact that you know, this girl's going to talk about how much she loves to have sex on your first date, or you're like, 
And, and course, then you look at The Bachelor now, and it's yeah. like, eh. And of course, Blind Date would come along. Blind Date was such a Blind date. Yeah. That's right. It, actually, the best part was like the little chirons they like put up on yes. the thing. Like, <laughs> you know, obviously this guy's not like getting any, or he's obviously like a serial killer. I mean, that was the Let's, best part of Blind and, Date. And Roger Bedactor, who was the host of Blind Date for years, I think that was his name, was this kind of like had barely shaven, if he shaved at all, kind of like cut from the same mold as DiCarlo and and, yeah. and and fake Marky Mark. Um, of this sort of like kind of skeezy guy, like this, you know, always vaguely sweaty. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had Chuck Woolery. Chuck Woolery hosted two, hosted two shows I remember from back in the day: um, Love Connection and Scrabble. Oh God! You remember Scrabble? I forgot about the Scrabble. Yeah, the Scrabble game. I don't, I don't remember anything about it except you would earn letters. I, I just remember Chuck Woolery from the oh, show. That's so funny. And there were, that's why I keep mentioning names of hosts and stuff, because a lot of these games, like you're talking about that Wake Martindale show, you remember the host, you remember the, because they basically were, their task was to carry a show that was pretty much a formulaic contest yes. between two people from yeah. Peoria or wherever who were on vacation in Burbank. Oh, Peoria. So, but yeah. So, random aside, this was another USA game show, it just popped in my head. You had to get, it was like license plates. Okay. And you had to guess like what the license plate was. So like it would have like a phrase and you'd have to guess like what it said. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, watching that game show to this day is why I can interpret any random ass license plate. I'm like, oh, it says that. <laughs> That's what that means. I swear to God. It's it, it, bumper stumpers. Bumper stumpers. I'm pretty sure you that's what it was called. Show. Look it up, kids. <laughs> pretty sure it was called bumper stumpers. Was that right? You are right. <laughs> so bumper stumpers is a Canadian game show <laughs> in which two teams of two players attempted to decipher vanity license plates in an attempt to win money. Um, it was created, not hosted by, but it was created by Wake Martindale. Hey. Or not. It all, all roads lead back to Wake. Yes, yes. And um, a couple of other a couple of other people, um, and, and then we're going to get into some of the kids' game shows. Win, Lose, or Draw was, a, and, and Super Pass were both hosted by, at one point or another, by Burt Conby, who was another kind of one of those, like, second-tier game show hosts. And he, he I remember, he had, like, curly hair, but it was shaped in that sort of like, like contoured like a hedge. You know, it was like, oh, like a white guy fro. Oh, and right, oh yeah, sure. it was it was very much that sort of like sculpted. Yeah, and and when lose your draw was Pictionary, but they couldn't call it Pictionary because they didn't have the rights to the name. Mm -hmm. Charles Nelson Riley would be on this show from time to time. Because How was he sober enough to be on that show? I don't know, but like it would. But the way they had that set set up was that it looked like somebody's living room. Yeah. Because there were basically two couches facing each other yep. and the thing. And I think the... No, I don't think the... I think don't think the pen name made Did anyone was. ever have to draw dignity? Uh, come on, Luann. You know what this is. Kirk, I don't know what it is. Oy. It could not be more simple, Luann. You want me to show this to the cat and have the cat tell you what it is? Because the cat's going to get it. It's dignity! Gah! Don't you even know dignity when you see it? Kirk, you're spitting. Okay, genius, why don't you draw dignity? Oh, that's dignity, oh, that's right. Worthy of Webster's. But yeah, so so we have we have these uh, the dating shows and we have the just the contest shows. 
some of which were a little more complicated than others, none of which was complicated as bamboozled. Yes. Where you had the, the wicked rainbow card. card. Yes. <laughs> but um, then you had you had this run of kids game shows in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember the show I'm Telling? Yes. Okay. What was that? Was one of the brothers and the sisters, right? Yeah. I I remember it. I I couldn't really tell you that how that it burnt down. Okay. There was something about a secret. And you're sharing a secret. I remember an episode yeah. where they had. Um, kid actors on mm. at one point like and Shannon Doherty was on it oh I remember this well, she was, was a child actress yeah this was like around the girls just want to have fun yeah yeah era, cause she was really really young that our house and mm-hmm. the yeah for um wasn't she on like one of the little house of the prairie you're asking the wrong person or something? I'm not a little house super fan like a lot of women I, my age I, <laughs> few, I think I saw a few episodes of the show before like Batman came on or something in the afternoons when I was younger. Okay. And then you had two shows that, two or three other shows, but the two that I think of, I think of um, Funhouse. Yep. Double Dare was like the show. Like okay. Double Dare was a show you wanted to be on when you were a kid. On your mark. Get set. Go! These two teams are blindly pounding their mallets to be the first to exterminate a big bug. The first to smash one will step on the competition by winning 20 bucks and control of the most daringly different show on television. Double Dare! now, here's your Double Dare host, Mark Summers. Welcome to Double Dare, the only show that dares you to win eight great prizes with a run through our crazy obstacle course. But only one team gets that chance, so let's meet them right now. Starting off over here with Lois and Dion, the extraordinaires, right here. Let's hear it for them. Nice to have you on the show today. It was a big deal to buy like a Double Dare t-shirt. Like, that was, like, a big deal to have one. I never did. But, like, I remember when I went to Smart Kid Camp at UVA when I was 10, which basically sparked the whole reason I was going to go to UVA because I fell in love with it. The Smart Kid Camp at which I taught podcasting last summer, by the way. time is in in the circle. (laughs) And so, um, and which our kid will probably go to at some point. So, um... So yeah, the summer enrichment program, uh, I thought it was so cool that one of the kids in my class, because I did a science class, mm-hmm. um, had a Double Dare t-shirt. And it was like Double Dare and like a Hard Rock Cafe t-shirt. Those were the two t-shirts I have. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, but there were a couple of kids in my elementary school who I think they had tried out for Double Dare too. And well, it, did it film in New York? I 
think so. Okay. Well, you and know, I was in Virginia. They would wear the T-shirts. That mm -hmm. was that. You're right. That was like that yeah. was like a big deal. And that double dare, of course. Again, you had a host who would later show up on Food Network because Mark Summers would host yes. Unwrapped, and Mark Summers, um, who, he also would host like talk shows and stuff yeah, over yeah. the years. But it, and I remember him, a story about him, and he has like really really bad OCD. Yeah, and he didn't. Basically, he talked about how hosting that show was a nightmare because it was dirty. Yeah, you know there was shit everywhere. Like you fell in whipped cream and all this other shit, and it, it, it used to stress him out. But, and I'm like, holy crap! Like that had to be torture. Yeah, this is where Nickelodeon really took the whole, because the slime for Nickelodeon started with you can't do that. Yes, and they took that one thing and basically built an entire game show around it, mm -hmm. and then slime became the Nickelodeon like. Call it guard. Call it guard, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best way to put it. Mark Summers, who is like your nice guy teacher. Oh yeah, oh, like your your friend's dad. Yeah. Kind of nice. Yeah, and and even when he was show hosting the show Unwrapped on Food Network was again one of those really pleasant yeah. shows. Yeah, it wasn't Guy Fieri. Uh, so good for that. And and um, but you'd have the trivia round of which you could dare the person to answer, double dare them, and then of course take the physical challenge yes and then the obstacle course at the end do you remember some of the obstacles that they would have i remember there was always you had to pick the nose to get yes. a flag <laughs> so there was an orange flag hidden somewhere in some of these things yeah. that you were you had to you like get to... up there in, in a nose that had boogers in it yeah. fake boogers <laughs> you had to yeah. do it. and then there was at the end you'd have to you always ended up in like a pool of whipped cream or some shit mm -hmm. like at the end or like you had to, um, you had to dig for it. Yeah, Because yeah. you always had to find these flags. Yeah. And um, yeah, the nose. I always remember. I, I it's fun. It's funny because whenever Doctor Oz like pulls out some life sized like <laughs> representation of like a body part, I always think of Double Dare. I'm like, when's he gonna pull out the big nose with an orange flag in it? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it definitely stuck with me. I'm amazed nobody didn't like have a serious injury from slipping and sliding because I mean, you're you really, sign of yeah, I, I know but just like I mean they were all wearing pads and helmets yeah, yeah. and those final obstacles and stuff yeah yeah but the 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 games they would play in the physical challenge are almost like field day games mm -hmm. you know like the class almost like variations in that classic like you have a balloon between the two yeah. and it's covered in shaving cream and you have to like get it to somewhere and you know, like yeah. these crazy games of skill that were totally like summer camp field day games. Yeah. And then you had then the like this crazy ass obstacle course, which is why I think Wipeout was such a huge hit. God, I love Wipeout. I wish it would come back. Yeah. I love it. Because it's just like, it's basically It's wipeout. adult double there. It's adult double there. And you don't have to do anything. And, and the, the, what they did was they just basically took the obstacle course at the end of Double Bear and repeated it three times mm -hmm. because it was just like, that's what everybody remembers, and like yeah. you know, when you're a kid, yeah, you, you'll play the the game and the back and forth, but like you want to run around and get dirty. Well, and that's the thing. Like what I appreciate about Wipeout and American Ninja Warrior um, is they they took the preamble out. Mm -hmm. There's no quiz. There's no bullshit in between with a finale. They go right to the finale. It's just different stages of the finale. Yeah. Um, which I which I appreciate. I don't remember much about Funhouse. I remember there were different levels of the Funhouse. Yeah, it looked like a house. It looked like a big house. 
and it was just basically obstacles. But I think the the big thing about Funhouse is it was hosted by J.D. Roth, mm-hmm. who went on to become a producer of other things like The Biggest Loser and other yeah. game shows, reality shows, and that sort of thing. And so, like, that was his first big thing. And he was younger. He was almost like your friend's... He was like 16 he or was something like 16, when he so was like It was almost like it. your your yeah. sister's boyfriend or something was hosting Yeah, because we show. were in middle school we were. when it came. So he was only a couple of years older than we yeah. were. And, and I want to say they had like hostesses who were like kind of girls and kind of... Like, I don't remember enough about it. Yeah, I want to say I want to say they had like hostesses who were kind of like... One of them like kind of looked like Nicole Eggert when she was on Charles and Charles. Like that sort of... Okay. And it's, wearing like a tight black shirt or something. I just, for some reason, I remember like they had, they, they kind of tried to do the sort of like weird titillation thing with it for yeah. like the teenage yeah. audience. I don't really, well, and to be honest, I never really watched it that often. It was on. It would for, come on like. It was on for me like after, I think it was on either right before or right after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it was later in the afternoon and usually yeah. by then I was like, whatever. Yeah, I think, I think it came on um, either before or after Turtles. And yeah, probably like after Turtles, but before the sitcom block yeah. on channel 11. And then there was remote control. Kenny wasn't like the other kids. Remote control. TV mattered. Nothing else did. Remote control. Girl said yes, but he said no. Remote control. Now he's got his own game show. Remote control. His basement, his rules, his game show, the Quizmaster 72, Whoopi Corplane, Ken Over. Thanks. Thank you. Yes. MTV, which, which itself is a, this was a cool game show. Yes. Ken Over, the late Ken Over. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's um, Hosting a show where people sat in barco loungers mm-hmm. and um, answered trivia questions, but I loved the name of the categories. Mm-hmm. Dead or Canadian, and Adam Sandler was one of the guys who would come out and play at different situations. Colin Quinn had Colin a bunch Quinn of was on there. Wasn't yeah. Dennis Leary on there? I, I think thinking? so. Yeah. yeah. And wouldn't they eject? Yeah. The people by they like would. flipping them around. Yeah, they like flip them backwards or something out of those yeah. chairs. Yeah. And then they, it would be like the snack break and a bunch of popcorn mm-hmm. would rain down from the ceiling and you'd have yeah. to like catch it. Yeah. yeah. MTV, this was back in the day. This is why I love, I, I do love old MTV a, a lot. It had a sense of humor back then. Like yeah. MTV, like as we got older, just did not have a sense of humor at all. By the late 90s, MTV took itself too seriously. Yeah, it was weird. Because of the fact that it was so at the forefront of whatever between the reality television and the um, and and like TRL and stuff, yeah. it, it, it held itself up as like the arbiter of everything cool in popular culture. And well, and it's like it's interesting because with as with anything, when you get to the point where you've got it in your head that you're the arbiter, you're no longer the arbiter. 
Yeah. Right, like you are no longer you. You're no longer cool. This was a remote. Get back to remote control. Remote control was at the tail end of their. We're going to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Period with MTV because they also around that time also had like the half hour comedy hour. And, I feel. Um, I feel like the half hour comedy hour came along after remote control. It probably what you. It, it was, was like when we were in high school. It was yeah, middle and and, and high school I believe because I remember seeing it. A couple of times Not that sure. when I was at my friend's house back in middle school, junior high. But by the time the real world really took off, that channel kind of knew what it wanted to do. Although yeah. singled out, yeah, I mean singled out as responsible for Jenny, for Jenny or at least Jenny McCarthy on the world. But I actually liked her back then, though. Yeah, she she wasn't as intolerable yeah. no, as she is now, and her plastic surgery wasn't as bad. Yeah, Chris Hardwick, of course, was was the mm-hmm. was the host there, and that was one of the last game shows that didn't take itself too seriously and was really like kind of the remote control of dating because mm-hmm. remote control is basically like jeopardy for you know on just like yeah joel cola and you know yeah um so but then we get into these shows that were like they're obscure yet at the same time everybody has seen an episode of some of these like shop till you drop yeah and of course, the like one of the best game shows ever, yes. which is Supermarket Sweep. Welcome to Supermarket Sweep, the game show that hides five thousand dollars and then helps you find it. Getting that money can be an uplifting experience. Look, this mother and daughter had a great time. Listen, on what other game show do you hear a contestant tell the host? I love you. So, who's got the Ortega Tostada shells? Okay, you're on. The Golden Graham cereal. Okay, you're on. And who's got the this quick thinking mix? Okay, and you're on. We're ready to play Super Market Sweep. And here's the host of our show, David Ruprecht. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, for someone who hates grocery shopping, I somehow love the shit out of Supermarket Sweep. Like, it's, it's funny because even from a young age, like, if you watch enough episodes, like, you'd know, like, well, if I'm actually shopping, I can never buy a giant ham or a box of diapers or a big can of coffee because those are the most expensive ones and I'm going to, like, rack up my grocery bill if I buy a giant ham. I swear to God, like, that's what I would think. Can you go through this grocery store in so many seconds trying to find these things, you know, where everything is in the aisle? It's a fun as hell show. I, I just, for, for while I was coming up with ideas for this episode, I just saw if there were any episodes on YouTube, and there's a number of them. My favorite is they had to wear matching sweatshirts. It was so 80s. It was. Oh my god, the, the, the sweatshirts that looked like they were, remember back when the Gap sold those sweatshirts, yeah. and they were like, there was a wall of them. Mm-hmm. And, and they were color. They were color. Separated by color. But and in like in like Roy G. Biv color, like yes, yes. rainbow, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was one of the fun things about like some of these game shows in the eighties where the people just so normal. Oh yeah, totally normal. They were moms. Like, yeah, they, they were moms. They were just so there wasn't anything glamorous about anybody on no, the shows. And Supermarket Sweep was like the epitome of that. You yes. had this host who was like. Again, dorky dad host in like a Cosby sweater and like. We gotta find a different name for those sweaters. In a dad sweater. Yeah, there you go. And and doing this like 
show where they, I, I guess they, I, I don't remember anything except they got a chance to run around the supermarket. Well, that was the finale. And pick stuff up yeah. and, and get well, it back. They had to answer question, kind of like, I don't know if it was grocery trivia or just yeah. regular <laughs> trivia, but like it, um, yeah, it was, yeah, or they did like guessing games like The Price is Right. I don't really remember. I just remember that I think you were playing for extra time on your clock. Yeah. And then, but my favorite was my favorite part of the run was when they were like, "Can you find the blow up Pillsbury Doughboy <laughs> and bring him back in time?" Or you know, they're walking around like with a big inflatable gorilla yes, on their car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it was that was the best part where they had to find the special stuff and like run it back in time. Now they, they had there was a limit on the number of items. You could only get I think up to four or five boxes of diapers, hams. Cans of coffee. There yeah, were so always limits on the high value things. Which made total sense because otherwise, yeah. you know, anybody who's anybody would just basically rip the shelf down. Yeah. And stuff. This is a show you need to bring back. Um, I hate to tell you this, but they tried with Guy Fieri called Guy's Grocery Games. No, everything everything about that is wrong. I know, it's terrible. I, I, that's why I didn't watch it. You need like... Now, where did Supermarket Soup air on your... Neck of the Woods. I want to say it was on Lifetime. Yeah, that's what it was for us. And it was followed by... Was there a show called Mo Magnus, or was that just a board, a, a board game? I had the board game. It was a board I game. don't know if it was a real... There was a show called, like, Rodeo Drive or something? I don't know. There was a show that followed it. I don't remember it exactly. It was a very similar show where you were, I want to say there was one show where like you were in a mall and doing something very similar, sort of one of those okay. run around at the store thing. But yeah, like, you know, because the thing that made it work was that like everybody was, there was nobody wacky on the show. Well, because people weren't really using again, it was back in the day when people weren't using a stint on a game show Mm-hmm. to get into show business. Or if they were, you didn't know because they looked like everybody else. Yeah, and like when they have... Um, because they had shows dedicated for that. They had Star Search. Yeah. They had like other competition shows. If you wanted to get into show business, you went on Star Search. You didn't go on Supermarket Sweep. Yeah. Well, this one, the, the, but the new Pyramid worked so well with Strahan as the host. Because Strahan's a very affable person. He's got a good personality for it. The same thing with Alec Baldwin and, and the Celebrity Panel Match Game. And they just got people who were like straight up normal people to be the contestants. They weren't mm-hmm. overdoing it. The Price is Right still works because they get these crazy ass people, but the majority of these people are total tourists who are there to see The Price is Right. Yeah. They're not getting like, what's that one comedian's name who, who's been on a few shows here and there? Zach Wild or something? Chris Wild. Chris Wild. Yeah, like he was on Trading Spaces. He was on Trading Spaces. Which, again, and then he would he would show up on those VH1 I love the shows and stuff like that. He so, I could have sworn he hosted some kind of random mm-hmm. game show too. Yeah, but back need, in the day. Yeah, but you need a, you need like a generic ass game show host guy for for Supermarket Sweep. You don't need like a guy Fiera because Supermarket Sweep is so much different. On some level, it's the same as a Double Dare, where you are running around and trying to do stuff. Where there's a game of skill at the end, and the and the, the preamble is like, you don't remember any of that. You're just waiting for the big money mm-hmm. part. But at the same time, you don't need somebody on the level of a 
Wade Martindale or Bob Umex or somebody like with a big personality to sell that mm -hmm. show. People running around looking for food in a supermarket is crazy entertaining for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and now I mean, I swear, you know, think about bring about debt because that would be really useful. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, you could run a double bill of supermarket sweep and debt. That's all about like, hey, like you make very little money because wages haven't gone up in decades. Good luck getting the groceries with this fucking budget you have. And then the next show is like, hey, you have two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in student debt. Why don't you play this game show to see if you can actually afford to live? And how, like, and and you've got like mega grocery stores around this country, like yeah, they Kroger need to, or something. No, they need to put their asses in a Costco after Costco has switched all the aisles. <laughs> AKA me at the end of every goddamn month. Mega markets. I'm just like, where the hell did you put the fucking peanut butter? And they're like, oh, it's in beep boop aisle. And I'm like, you fucking liars. It's like, it's like they move the bread, they move the maple syrup. You gotta hope you hit an end cap before you hit the line of fools getting a sample. I swear to God, like this is the only reason I go to Costco like once a month. I cannot do it regularly. So put supermarket sweep in a Costco. And then it turns into like, yeah, it's like a hybrid of supermarket sweep and survivor. <laughs> and you get a generic host, you get like a like a Mark Wahlberg or somebody yeah. you know, on that level who has I'll a, host it. I'll be like, you stupid bastards. Who's a nice enough personality and oh, is a friendly nice. person. Like friendly man or woman who's just kinda like, you know, here I'm just kind of the auditor guy. And you get these people from suburbs central, you know, it's oh just, it's, it's like, it's got a great formula because there was a, and a lot of these game shows were like this, they were presented in such a straightforward way that the kitsch value comes from the fact that it's kind of lame, you mm -hmm. know, like, like there's nothing ever. Like you said, it's normal. Yeah. Before it had a Yeah, name. and nobody's winking at the camera in this way. Yeah, yeah. It's not played up to be like, hey, look at this, how silly this is. It's like, we're just, this is just what it is. It does kind of make me miss women's fashion in the 80s, though, because, like, God damn, it was easy to be a mom with a mom bod in the 80s because you were wearing, like, some sort of sister wife skirt, a turtleneck, and a sweatshirt, and tights, and some sort of scrunched sock. I mean, like, <laughs> You were so layered up. Nobody knew what your actual weight was. It was, I, I'm jealous. I wish. Those kindergarten teacher jumper things with like a turtleneck underneath. Those, I, I just, sometimes, I mean, it's all hideous, but I'm like, damn, I bet they were comfortable. Mm -hmm. I, it just really makes me miss it. Before Spanx, before all of it. Yeah. Now, there's a few, we've covered just about every one on this list that I, that I jotted down. Um, I did. I forgot to mention where in the world is Carmen San Diego, which is the only game show I ever remember airing on PBS. And you know what that unleashed on the world? Fucking Rockapella. God damn it! I but hate Rockapella. Game show thing gets in your head. Oh yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. She sneaks around the world From Reagan to Carolina She's a sticky-fingered filter From Berlin down to Belize Take you for a ride On the most China Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego I used to play the computer game But yeah. I never really watched the game show it, the, uh, And the only thing that, that I, um, I the, the two things that I gleaned ever from that show Were one the theme song, and two, Lynn Thigpen, 
who was the host, mm -hmm. was in the Warriors. Yes. And that's the only thing I remember. Like, so whenever I, I've, whenever the few times I've seen the Warriors, I always think, oh, hey, that's the woman from where the Warriors yeah. come in San Diego. And then um, a show that aired while we were in college, right around the time, right around late time in college, was where Jimmy Kimmel got to start was with Ben Stein's Money. Yes. Which um, we used to watch that all the time in college. Watched a lot in college. Com Comedy Central. In fact, um, do you remember Will Leach's old column, yes. Life is a Loser? It was like one of his very first columns. Yes. He was on one of the very first yes. episodes of the show. His girlfriend had like just dumped him or yes. something. It was a really, really funny. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we watch, and we've seen, now game shows are still on. I mean, we still watch Jeopardy. Yeah. We can. Wheel of Fortune is, is always kind of fun to watch. I love watching The Price is Right when... Mm-hmm. We're, we're, at my we're, we're at your parents' house. It's, it's one of the few times where the television's on. I'm like, I will sit down and watch The Price is Right because mm -hmm. it's just so much fun to watch. And then, but like the shows that they have on primetime now, like I don't know. I just they're not as Deal or No Deal was kind of fun for a little while. And had Meghan Markle as a briefcase girl. I did have Meghan Markle. She, as a briefcase she certainly girl. glowed up after that. Um, Howie Mandel was the um, Howie Mandel, who is another person with raging OCD. Yes. Um, was was the host, and I remember, I remember it was just kind of fun. Like you were trying, where you would as at home try to guess, yeah, the, way whether the it was, yeah, and um, or whether or not they should take the deal, which was kind of, it was kind of a pressure situation. But they dragged that shit out, and I remember one episode where a family was on, and the boy in the family was probably about Brett's age, but he was such a little shit. Oh, I remember that. And he was like, you, you shouldn't do He was like yelling at his dad because his dad screwed it up. Yeah. And he was like, you should have done this, blah, blah, blah. And you're like... You feel like saying, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Nobody asked you. <laughs> exactly. But now they have like the wall. And the wall is, what is it? It's basically big plinko, right? Yeah, but I hate that too because it's always so drama filled. Yeah. Or they just drag it out. But I want to touch on one that is that also came out in the early aughts. Or, and and I, I I'm pissed because it unleashed a jerk onto the world and also was gross was Fear Factor. Oh, and I never watched it. Oh. What 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 I I'll never forget. I somehow I don't. It, you were probably gone again, and I ended up watching some shit I shouldn't have watched, which is how I get into most things. Paradise Hotel, Rock of Love. Anyway, um, they had this cookout. It had gotten to the point where people weren't overcoming their fears anymore. Because like, when it first started, it was like, you know, if you're claustrophobic yeah. or, if you, or if you're afraid of heights, you were getting paid to overcome your fears. Yeah. That was it. Then it just got... It just we're just going to make you eat weird Yeah, we're going to make you eat this hissing cockroach. Yeah. You know, exactly. And they had people eat animal penises. And I will, and, and, and I wasn't like, I was just kind of had, I just kind of had it on in the background and like was doing some other stuff. And then like, I looked up and they're literally like, they're roasting them. They had like this campfire. They're roasting them over fire and they're trying to, and you know, like, not that you, this is probably hard to hear, but like apparently penises are really tough. And so like, they're trying to like eat. And I was just like, it grossed me out so bad. I went vegetarian for like a year. <laughs> I just, every time I tried to eat meat, I just would, and because I'm a visual person, I would flash to this poor girl trying to like gnaw on this horse penis or whatever, and I was just like, I can't, I can't eat meat, I can't do it. Like, in fact, right now, I'm grossing myself out again, and I'm probably going to have to eat vegetarian tomorrow, but like, I just, it was so unnecessary, because I'm sitting there and I'm like, the fuck is afraid, who is afraid of eating a penis? 
There is nobody afraid of that. Yeah. To the point where you had to have that be a challenge. Yeah. It was just so disgusting. Joe Rogan is a fuckface. I just was like, that whole show was is yeah. and was awful. Now, the, the show that, talk about it, like a show that with a douche of a host, but was actually kind of a fun show and I never watched it. Then how do you know it was, was fun? Because I've seen clips and I've seen some <laughs> of the games. Was Minute to Win It. Minute to Win It is the show that oh, you can yeah. actually set up at home because sometimes the challenges yeah. were like you have to do something within a minute. Yeah, it's yeah. like how many tissues can you take out of a tissue yeah, box yeah, in yeah. a minute or like donuts you can eat. So and, and those became like I am sure that a billion RAs at a billion colleges have done minute to win at games as icebreakers at the beginning of the year of freshman. It term. was a big um, birthday party scene yeah. for kids when that show first came out because like you'd be on Pinterest trying to plan your kid's birthday if you're yeah. bougie and doofy like I am, and so like you're on there and it, like when that when that show first came mm -hmm. out, it was like minute to win it eighth birthday party or yeah. whatever, and like they have like all these challenges. They, they were doing them at they were doing them at yearbook camp when I used to go as a teacher and advisor there and they would do that at like the first kind of get together where the entire camp was there and they would call the kids on stage at the small auditorium we were at at JMU and do these games and it was like, you know, for a show that would, did they did pretty, that show did pretty well. That was a pretty good concept. Too bad Guy Fieri was hosting it. Yeah. Because it's like, here's a show where the home game is like something that like, you know, because as much as you would love to do Double Dare... Oh, yeah, that's going to be hard. Yeah, it, it, and, then, and then you find your way onto America's Funniest Home Videos. But oh. Minutes and Minutes is totally like, you know... Yeah, and it is, it is a shame. It, I mean, like, if you can put up with Guy Fieri, then it, it was a show that you you really could watch as a family, and it wasn't mm -hmm. going to be, like, gross. You Nobody was eating a penis that I know of. And, like, you know, it wasn't... You really could just watch it. Yeah. And you didn't have to worry about it being inappropriate. I'm glad, I'm glad that um, game shows are still around and they haven't gotten in the way of some of the other genres like the like the talk show. Yeah, which yeah. Is the, like the classic talk show. Like some of the afternoon school cartoons which are not in syndication anymore. They're more on cable. Yeah. And granted, cable kind of killed a lot of these things and networks like Nickelodeon well, and Cartoon Network killed um, a lot of these And genres. what's killing them now is like Netflix and Hulu and whatever, because they yeah. all YouTube kids, Netflix kids. Yeah. Like they, you can watch whatever you want anytime. Yeah, the, there's there's a weird like, granted, I don't know, since I'm not a kid, but but even so, there's a weird sort of with this on demand nature of entertainment now. There's there's a there's less chance to just discover something at random, as now sometimes we both get because there's nothing we want to watch on Netflix and sometimes there isn't shit to watch on Netflix. But then other times it's just like, I don't feel like watching that. I don't feel like sitting down for this. <laughs> like, we watched The Americans on a weeknight for the first time, like, ever because neither of us wanted to try to stay spoiler-free for two more days. I and, couldn't. And went for the finale. But those there were shows that we would watch where, like, you know, what can we watch that's mindless? And back in the day when you were for Big Blue Channels and you didn't have a DVR and maybe you had the TV Guide channel that used to scroll right. the listings. Yeah. But, but you were flipping around and you would come across... Let's make a deal, or the price, or, you know, or, or whatever might be on at that point. Well, I think that's why game shows like that when we were younger, or even, you know, when you 
when you know you were in your 20s or whatever are the perfect sick day viewing because mm -hmm. the, except for prices right and let's make a deal they're in half hour snippets if you fall asleep because you took a bunch of benadryl or whatever you wake back up there's another one on no big deal or maybe you're like you know you're just you feel like shit and you're like if i can just make it through this game show that's another half hour down like it, it was the perfect it's the perfect sick day viewing because you can't you can kind of pay attention you know what's going on enough it distracts you and if you fall asleep and wake up it doesn't matter yeah. like it is the perfect sick day viewing yeah and the primetime ones are great for summer it's mm -hmm. why it's why the shows like well that's why you get the competition shows yeah, that's why american ninja warrior comes yeah. on that's why so you think you can dance comes on and yeah. i think there's something to be said for i think what's great about game shows is Again, you can kind of pay attention if you want to. You can play along if you want to. There's almost always someone to root for or against. Mm -hmm. You never know. Like you, I think this is why I like to play games in general. It's like every time you start, it's a fresh start. And you never yeah. know how it's going to end. And so I think there's something to be said. I think that's why game shows have more longevity than like a talk show. Mm -hmm. Because it, 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 it engages a part of your brain that I don't think a talk show does. Yeah, and... and Outside of the competition reality shows, which some of which are game show esque, um, but they always tend to feature people who are, I don't know, they're they're a different type of person. Whereas a lot of these game shows, even the modern ones like your Dealer No Deal and and, mm -hmm. and the Wall and all those other stuff, and they they show people who are, you know, you could be on that show. Um, I think The Amazing Race is one of the few that like you could give it a shot you know they, they had people on the show who were just very like you know yeah. more out of shape than me um, <laughs> but like but then you watch like and we watched Top Chef and Project Runway because we both like people who are good at what they do yeah. doing what they do that's yeah. what I and like. it's food yeah it's it's cooking and it's fashion mm -hmm. both of which are like fascinating and great to watch yes. and two of my favorite subjects yeah and, and so um, and then like you know we stopped watching Idol years ago. We don't really watch The Voice very much, but like, so you think you dance is fun because it's a total window into something that you, know, you dance, you did dance when you were younger. Yeah. It's not something I was never really into, but it's a window into something that like, you know, I can never do. So there's that fascination with the arts in that mm -hmm. way that like, whereas another person trying to belt it out and destroy the same John Lennon song again, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm so tired of you know, how many times are you going to see Mariah or Whitney or like whatever? Yeah. So there's different appeals to these different types of, of contests and competition shows. Yeah. Well, and then you're looking at stuff like, um, you know, America's Got Talent that are just like straight up like talent shows. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a combo of like a talent show and the gong show because they have the X that they can hit <laughs> or whatever. But um, yeah, so that's a, that. Yeah, I mean... It, I guess it's not game show, game show, but it's, I guess, competition show. It's a little different. Well, thank you for for going on the game show route. And you're yeah. right. Perfect sick day television. It's That's, the best. It, it does remind me of being home from the school yeah. and, and being sick because I always knew that The Price is Right was on at 11 mm -hmm. and automatically turned the TV to The Price is Right and then would surf through whatever game shows were on unless I came across a rerun of Good Times or something. And in the summer, after the price is right, usually was the time where the TV where the TV got turned off and we ended up going outside. Or, <laughs> going, or when we got into junior high and high school, 
the TV got turned off and we went, the TV got switched off to play video games. <laughs> You're like, we, we put the Nintendo on or something. But there was a point usually around 12, 1 o'clock where the, what's the plan, what's the plan, what's the plan would set oh, in. Geez. It's like, you know, get out of the house or, you know, or whatever. Um, unless there was actually a show on that we wanted to watch. But the price is right. It was, you're right, it was the end of the morning. Yeah. And then, and then you went into the whatever game shows happened to be on and then the afternoon stuff where you saw some of these random shows. And Fox was rerunning Double Dare for a time. So we really watched wow. a lot. Our Fox affiliate reran Double Dare like crazy on weekdays hmm. um, for a time. So we actually watched a lot of Double Dare and Family Double Dare. Oh, I um, hated Family Double Dare. I didn't like Family Double Dare either. And so that's when, when we stopped watching it because they were just showing, constantly showing Family Double Dare. And we're just like, oh. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, God forbid kids have their own shit. Here come mom and dad, the horn and all the action. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. But yeah, like, yeah, at, at my grandmother's house, so two things. Like, when I was a teenager staying there, um, I, like, basically, the Price is Right theme music was my alarm clock. Like, I had to be up at least by 11. So I would hear it, like, blink, because my grandmother was deaf as a doorknob. And so, like, she, it was blaring through the entire house. And so, like, I knew that's when I had to get up. And then if the TV ever was turned off after the Price is Right, it was to go to the before all my children came on. So that was pretty much the Price is Right in my life. Nice. And, um... Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, prime time, right before prime time, in where I grew up, funny enough, Jeopardy was always on first. Hmm. Um, Wheel of Fortune's always ABC, on first. ABC yeah. up in New York, ABC 7 up in New York airs Jeopardy. I think they still do. I think they still air Jeopardy at 7 o'clock and Wheel of Fortune at 7.30. And down here in D.C., it's aired diverse um, and it's always on the ABC station except for here but I think that's because we didn't have Charles didn't have an ABC affiliate until we around the time we moved down here so yeah because we our, used to have to use the Richmond yeah um, so so station. so for years the only literally the only local network affiliate in this area was the was NBC, NBC 21 yeah. that's why they had Oprah yeah and that's why they had um with Fortune Jeopardy, which were mostly ABC affiliated. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is, I've always found interesting how some shows were totally syndicated, yet they were they did affiliated have alliances, yeah. alliances with certain television networks and stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, you'll be on this miniseries one more time. And, <laughs> you poor um, people, I'm sorry. For the, the third to last episode, we are going to do the one thing that I think every single person in our generation will be like, you know, is instantly nostalgic for, which is the after-school cartoon or before-school cartoon block. Yes. Not the Saturday morning cartoons, no. but, the, but the ones that really, if you think about it, are the ones you remember more than the Saturday morning cartoons. Mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, the Transformers, Jam and the Holograms, all of those things, and that'll be in our next, that'll be our next conversation. Thank you very much for coming on. Sure. Okay. Yeah.
This concludes our programming for today. We welcome any comments you may have regarding our programming. It Came From Syndication is located at popcultureaffidavit.com with our email at popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com and Twitter at popaff. Pop Culture Affidavit is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Some of today's programming has been mechanically reproduced. It came from syndication, which is you a pleasant good night and good morning. <laughs>